Welcome to the Recaps Podcast, a podcast where we dip our caps into the blood of our listeners and we ramble on about old school games. In today's episode, we are going to talk about shields, house rules, and a supplement document I've been reading. Remember, no mortal can outrun a red cap. So as always, I hope you can sit back, listen, and enjoy. Shields will be splintered, or sundered shields as I like to call it, is a pretty common house rule in most OD&D and BX games. It was originally made popular uh, by the Trollsmith blog, a link will be down in the description, back circa 2008 or so. Although I'm sure the ruling existed long before then, um, but that's kind of the place where it became most popular and spread throughout the OSR community. The rule allows a player who has a shield equipped and is in uh, melee combat to have the normal benefit of a shield, the bump to the AC. However, it also provides an option that during this melee combat, if a damage blow is going to hit, so after a to hit uh, dice has been rolled, before the damage has been rolled, the player has an option to make a choice that they can splinter or sunder their shield, thus destroying it, and avoid taking that damage. Uh, so it's a little bit of a risk-reward. You don't know how much damage you're actually going to be blocking by destroying your shield, uh, but it does allow you to do so. It's a rule I really quite like, um, but in recent games, I've found that there's been a couple of small niggles, small problems with it that's been bothering me. None of them are deal breakers, and you could play with this rule exactly as it is, and many, many people do, and there's no problems at all. But the two things that I found were starting to bother me a little bit is one is the slowing down of combat. So when a lot of people are taking advantage of this rule, the DM has to basically roll damage dice, see the result, wait for a moment for the player to make a decision whether or not they're going to sunder or not, and then they can roll their damage dice. And I often like to roll both damage and to hit at the exact same time. Uh, just one single roll and I know everything that happened. Um, and you can't do that if you're using this rule because uh, you need to, the, the decision needs to be made before the damage dice is rolled. The second problem that I was noticing was that it was turning people into shield carrying mules. They would enter into a dungeon with, you know, the shield on their arm, another shield on their back, and maybe a shield being carried by a retainer or something, just extra shields so that when they use this ability, uh, they can immediately just grab another shield and carry on. Um, they didn't want to have to lose equipment. That's not a major concern really in practicality because you'd have encumbrance and you can, you can track things that way. It was just, you know, it wasn't really in the spirit of the, of the rule. It wasn't to be something that the, you would make plans for, but you know, it's not a big deal. The, the reason why I'm bringing this up in the in the discussion was that I've been recently reading this little booklet called Original Edition Campaign by Eric Johansson. And it's available on Amazon. I, I grabbed a copy of it because it looked interesting. And the author had a neat little spin on this rule. So the book in general is a collection of his house rules. And one of them was uh, his ruling for how to handle sundering shields. Very similar, but the difference is that the player choice to sacrifice a shield only comes about if the damage they were going to take would drop them below zero. And then instead of negating all the damage, instead when the shield is sundered or splintered, uh, it returns one to three hit points back to the player. So if you were at five hit points and you took damage for six, which would drop you below zero, you could sunder your shield, roll a die, and find out somewhere between one to three hit points is what you would be left with at the end. So it's a, it's a way to save from death in a way, and it's uh, it's it reduces the amount of times it's going to get used. So I, like I said, I think it solves the problem 
of slowing down combat because it no longer matters how much damage is coming so the dm can roll both the two hit and the damage dice at the same time um and it also solves the problem of people carrying a whole ton of them because hopefully they're not planning on dropping below zero a whole bunch of times at once so uh, rather than it being a way to block damage multiple times it's just a way to save yourself from death so i think it would solve both those those little niggles um and as I was reading, I was thinking about how that would work. And I, I'm also wondering out loud if you could expand it a little bit and give players the options of even bigger shields. So maybe a heavier or a larger shield uh, doesn't necessarily increase your AC. You still get the same AC bonus as, as any other shield, but possibly it would deflect more damage uh, on its sundering uh, if it was if you were to drop below zero. Um, I'd have to play with that some it's obviously something you have to play test but i think it could be an interesting expansion on that role in the booklet eric has a bunch of different house rules that he's been using over the last i think seven to eight years that he's been running the campaign um, of OD&D, and he made this little book uh, it resembles one of those little brown booklets and it sells for like like i said eight to ten dollars or something on, like that on amazon it's he took his notebook from from the campaign where he had all his house rules in uh, edited it down made it very concise the writing on it's pretty good and it's, so it's cleaned up it's put in that format and his goal he says in the forward was that he wanted to be able to have the three little brown books and his supplement and that would be all that he would need at the table for anybody to learn how to play the game and play it the way that his group does uh it's it's pretty cool I, I enjoyed it quite a bit as I was flipping through. I wouldn't use all the rules, but there were several in there that were pretty neat. Um, some odd things, though, it was I can't find any online presence anywhere for Eric. Uh, I don't know if he has a blog. I couldn't find anything. This, it's not listed on RPG. There isn't a PDF. There's only the physical version, which you can find at, you know, all of the major bookstores and Amazon and all that. Um, but yeah, I wasn't able to find a digital version of it or any sort of like public persona that he has like on Twitter or any social media. So if anybody knows anything about Eric, uh, I would love to read more of his stuff or have a conversation with him. So please do let me know, drop me an email or something. If you know who, who this person is, um, if you want somebody who is a little bit more online, uh, that has a very similar setup of, you know, having a supplement document that is a collection of house rules for, uh, for D and D, uh, especially OD and D, I would highly suggest checking out Delta Dan's original edition Delta. Um, again, links will be down in the description, and uh, he's got a really great set of documents for making original D and D run a little bit smoother, run in the way that he prefers. And a lot of those rulings, I think, would be of interest to people. Um, I really like the idea of having a supplement rather than releasing a whole new game uh, with your half a dozen or you know several pages of house rules on it. Um, it just, I think it, it cuts down on the duplication of effort or duplication of game systems. I own many, many versions of BX that are slightly modified from each other that could have all been just a supplement document to the original BX. So I really appreciate that, that Eric chose to go this route. And, uh, I, I hope that becomes a trend, um, that more people do that. But I wanted to ask you guys, what is your favorite house rule regarding shields? Uh, do you do anything interesting with shields at all? Do you just run them straight as they are in the book? Uh, drop me a voicemail. Let me know what you guys do with your shields. As a side note, if you're listening on Spotify, you may have noticed over the last month or so, I've been putting up little polls, little surveys 
on the episodes. Um, it's been interesting to see those come in. I don't get a ton of responses on it. I believe largely because most of my listeners are either on uh, platforms like Apple podcast or um, you know, pocket cast or Google podcasts, uh, those platforms. And unfortunately the polls don't show up there. They're only showing up if you're listening on Spotify, but uh, if you are listening to those, let me know what you think of them. Um, there's other features that you can do via Spotify podcasts that uh, are kind of interesting, but I don't know how much I'm going to engage with them because I don't know how big the audience is there. But yeah, let me know what you think of those and if they are, you know, intrusive or anything along those lines. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Red Caps podcast. I hope you enjoyed, you learned something, and that you were eager to come back for more. www.theredcaps.net has all the links to all the ways to contact me, and I would love to hear from you. Thank you ever so much for listening. And remember, never let your caps dry out. Stay safe, have fun. We'll talk again soon. Take care.